Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Dear Writer. This is episode 15, and today it is our Talking Shop mini-series. It's the second episode of this mini-series, and we're going to have a bit of a chat about the different um, writing tools that we use to help us better our craft. What is your tool of the month this month, Sarah? Okay, my tool of the month is the complete handbook of novel writing, subheading everything you need to know to create and sell your work. Hmm. It's by the editors of Writer's Digest. Okay, that is a hefty book. You guys probably won't be able to see this, but I can, and it is hefty. <laughs> yes, it is. It is very much um, everything you need to know to create and sell your work. <laughs> they have been very comprehensive with this book. Um, I have the third edition here, but I know there's, I don't know if there's a, which one's the most recent, but it's all very relevant. And I doubt it's probably changed very much, except for perhaps some of the interviews. So Yeah, it includes interviews and articles by a number of very prominent authors. Just to name a few, Stephen King, Jojo Moyes, Lee Child, really, really big authors, George R. Martin, Jodie Pickolt. So a lot of big names names in this book. And so it was really interesting to read. I would say it's probably a book that I would read again simply because it had so much information in it and I don't I'm gonna say I basically never read non-fiction books again although mm-hmm. I am slightly changing in that regard <laughs> um, as I'm finding more interesting non-fiction books but for me it's very much like me and travel as well like I don't like to go to the same place twice because I feel like there's just so much to see in the world and it's the same with books. I feel like there's so much to read in the world that I don't want to read the same thing twice. Yeah. But this one is definitely worth reading twice, I would say, but it just has so much information in it. Did you Um, read it cover to cover? Because it's quite... I did, yes. Oh, (laughs) I feel like in a book like that, I'd probably read it as I you know, encountered issues. I assume it's like in chapters or something. Yeah, yeah, it, it is in chapters and you can read it as you encounter issues because it has things like, um, so part one, the art and craft of a strong narrative. And so it talks about inspiration and ideas, mm-hmm. plot and structure, characters, craft and style. And then part two is about the writing process. So rituals and methods, revision and editing. Mm-hmm. Part three, exploring novel genres. So it goes through all the common genres. And part four, finding and cultivating a market for your work. I would say that this section is probably mainly based on a more traditional publishing pathway. It does mention, like, I remember reading it and it did mention some more hybrid publishers. Uh, So that was quite interesting to read sort of people who do a bit of both with traditional publishing and Mm -hmm. self-publishing yeah they do also talk about a little bit about self-publishing but I think I don't know when this one was 
when it was actually published 2016 so it's recent-ish though it's recent-ish but I would say that self-publishing at that stage was still bigger than what they talk about right like it's probably because that you know this is from very traditional sort of mindset and so at that stage traditional mindset was only really getting into the idea that oh there's this thing called self-publishing or indie indie authors and they still are very naive to the indie publishing world I would say traditional so when I'm just reading like the chapter heading on self-publishing it says dissecting the self-publishing contract five key issues for authors well (laughs) most self-publishers probably wouldn't have a contract to dissect I guess if you're going with a self-publishing house possibly yes but I personally would probably steer clear of anyone that you have to pay so yeah yeah I would agree with that were there any bits that you wanted to highlight or you know kind of spoke to you yeah so um I had pulled just a couple of quotes out of it Mm -hmm. they're really just like pieces that as I was going over it kind of jumped down at me but then like the whole book's just really good so if you like this and you'll probably like a lot of the book it discussed plotting and pantsing oh yeah and this one said if you're a plotter your approach to writing a novel is similar to a military campaign you set up the logistics and supply lines in advance and by the time your fingers actually touch the keyboard you have the entire battle mapped out blow by blow pantsers on the other hand just start writing they strap on a pirate costume shout avast and swing into the story with wild abandon neither of these (laughs) approaches is right or wrong i like that analogy (laughs) the pirate (laughs) avast i liked that too (laughs) that's really good yeah so i mean it you know it goes on to talk about the techniques and Mm -hmm. stuff of different ways to write and all that sort of thing and then another quote that sort of spoke to me was on voice Mm -hmm. what is voice anyway narrative style character diction a set of subject matter or a singular setting all of the above pinning it down can be difficult but we start with this we primarily experience stories through point of view characters to put it differently voice in a novel is not the author's thoughts or vocabulary but the sum total of what her characters observe think feel and express in their own unique ways that's quite an interesting way of saying it and that is something we really had to be careful about in our teen fiction book I think yeah trying to really give our characters voices that were not our voices yeah and it's interesting because I feel like people do get quite confused when it comes to voice and trying to define exactly what it is because I mean every writer has their own style but that is not the voice Mm -hmm. of the book right for example the book that I'm writing the voice in the book is very different from the voice of our characters like I think voice is more character related and how the character views their world it's a very good read just the I would highly recommend it, the complete handbook of novel writing. It looks really good. It looks like one of those good ones you can have on your desk when you're writing and refer to if you 
you know, either before you start or if you've got something you want to clarify or just get some inspiration for writing, whatever. Yeah. And actually in saying, talking about inspiration, one of the things that I really loved is that in between the chapters, they had quotes from all these different Mm -hmm. authors and the quotes were really cool and really inspiring. Oh yeah. You can't see it, but it's basically a page with a bunch of different quotes from a variety of different authors, which is it sort of related to each section or is it just random quotes? Yeah. Yeah. So the one that I've just opened to is quotes on plot and structure. And so, you know, there's one by Ray Bradbury, for example. Remember, plot is no more than footprints left in the snow after your characters have run by on their way to incredible destinations. <laughs> That's cool. So it has like all these really inspiring quotes, like all yeah. throughout the book. And they're just so cool. I really like that. It's like, not only do you get all this advice and articles mm-hmm. about writing, but then in between you get these awesome quotes by sort of big names. No, it sounds really interesting having the quotes and things. I like quotes. They make you think about things. Yeah. What was your choice of the month? Right. So when Sarah and I first started, one, getting back into writing, two, taking it a lot more seriously, and three, really looking at, I guess, crafting it properly in view of either self-publishing it or looking at pursuing traditional publishing, I started listening to a podcast that was called Helping Writers Become Authors, and it's hosted by K.M. Wheeland. She's a historical fiction and spec fiction author. I really enjoyed her podcasts. One, because they're quite short. So when I was on the bus, it was, you know, one episode was one journey in, so about 25 minutes, which Uh was good. So you could get, you wouldn't have to, you know, stop halfway through. And it's... I found really good to a good podcast to introduce you to the elements of story structure, like the inciting event, introduce you to outlining, planning character arcs, structuring scenes, all that, all that sort of thing. It's very, it starts like from the beginning. So I feel like if you're just getting into writing or like we were getting back into writing and wanting a bit of a refresher, I found it was really, really helpful for that. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple particular I guess, episodes of her podcast that have stuck with me ever since. And I've actually referred back to it and listened to the episodes again because they were so helpful or read the transcripts. Right, yeah. So the first one was a three-part series about writing the first chapter of your book. And it's called Ultimate First Chapter Checklist. And there's obviously three parts. And part one was about hooking the readers. Part two was writing the opening scene. And part three was introducing the story. And I found it, I've basically directly used her advice when we were first rewriting the opening scenes of our novel. And then eventually either rewriting the entire chapter or putting in an entirely new first chapter to try and, you know, hook the readers better. Yeah. Yeah. So I do have some quotes because she, like we do, has a transcript. So we, you know, you can read, read along or read it separately. Yeah. So the, the quote for the first bit, which is all about hooking readers goes, your story's first chapter is one of the most important pieces of your story. Not only does it provide the foundation for a solid story form to come, it is also your first and only chance to pique readers' curiosity and suck them in, which I feel the very same way about first chapters and even your first few sentences. I do too, because, you know, when you think about, especially pitching to a traditional publisher, your first chapter is the one that you're going to be pitching most of the time. 
So it's so important for that first one to hook the agents or publishers in. And yeah, I mean, not that then you've got to keep them entertained. So the rest of the book has to follow through. But that first introduction is just very important. Really, yeah. It has to be really, really strong. And what I do like about this little, I guess, series of episodes about the first chapter is she gets into real detail about, you know, you have to have the first sentence to hook the reader. And then obviously you have to write the first paragraph slash scene and how to go about doing that. And she, this is a quote from the second part about writing that opening scene. She says, if you're going to provide readers with all kinds of juicy hooks in your opening line, opening situation and characteristic moment, then you have to have a place to put them. And your story's opening scene is the box that holds all those goodies, which I quite like. (laughs) It's a little box of chocolates with all these things in it to try and (laughs) um, have your readers unpack. Very forest gumpish, but um, it's great. I do like it. I have this um, bookmark, actually, that actually I think I have it here. So it says, novels are sweets, all people with healthy literary appetites. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And so I I love the idea of novels being sweets and the first paragraph being like your first introduction to sort of a sumptuous buffet. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Uh, And then anyways, the, the third part was about introducing the story. And I quite like her a quote that comes from that which she says personally I have always found that writing a first draft gets easier almost chapter by chapter by the time I get to the third act the book practically writes itself this is because when you do your job right in those early chapters you'll already have accomplished the meticulous work of setting up your dominoes I definitely you know vibe with that quite well because I find it does get easier especially when you're you're a planner and you put in all of this work Mm -hmm. setting up your story and then by the time you know you've set it up well and then by the time you get to the kind of ending things that just fall into place on their own and there's not as much work well at least I found that in our teen fiction books anyways yeah I think setting up the story is definitely like she says a super important thing I'm kind of a bit torn on the idea because I feel like there's certain things that if you go like I'm more of a person who goes back and puts in those sort of surprises and thinks of them Mm -hmm. as I go along the journey I'll be like oh it would be really cool if this happened but then I have to set (laughs) it up later so then I go back and change the first chapters but having those sort of easter eggs to become something that's gonna develop into a major plot Mm -hmm. point later on is certainly helps the rest of the story move forward and it is really important to to Mm -hmm. have them in there at least by the end of your by the time you're finished with it whatever way you do it to have those things in there is super important even if it's just like one a one-line mention I found this especially writing the psychological thriller sort of mystery they have what I'm trying to think of the term, but there's certain things that you've got to fulfill when when you're mm-hmm. writing one of these stories and might talk about it a bit more because I'm sure at some point I will talk about the story grid <laughs> um, book and podcast. But yeah, there's, there's certain things that you need to have and I'm trying to remember what the exact term is called. The villain always has something mm-hmm. that they're after. It may not even necessarily be pivotal mm-hmm. to the plot line, 
but it's just the thing that kind of starts it rolling and it could be like something small or it could be something like they want the code for nuclear weaponry or something but it's always got to be like mentioned or alluded to in those first few chapters so that later on it'll be revealed what this thing is and it yeah. drives the story forward damn it i'm really annoyed that I can't <laughs> <imagine>. <laughs> everyone's gonna be like it's this sarah jeez um anyway so the other episode um that i found very very useful was entitled how to ace the first act in your sequel which is something i actually struggle to find a lot of information about because you learn a lot about how to set up, you know, characters and everything and the scene for your, you know, your opening scene in your book. But when you get to a sequel, a lot of that work's already been done for you. So that I always found it a bit confusing. How do you have all of this information still there without being boring and repetitive? So she says on sequels that sequels are special. On one hand, they still must follow all the same basic rules of good storytelling. But on the other hand, they both simplify and complicate various aspects of that approach. While the burden of introducing important elements like characters setting conflicts is often lessened, the stakes will be raised in bringing greater depth to the existing story without allowing it to become repetitious. Nowhere is that more important or challenging than in the first act of your sequel. And we had a bit of trouble with the first act of our sequel as well in the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Exactly, this is what she says, like the balance of introducing characters and story, but not doing it in a way that bores everyone and you know it's still really exciting I think in the end we ended up changing it which putting in a new chapter which I think helped a little bit yeah I did think even when writing the start of the third one it feels writing the sequel start feels like a very fine Mm -hmm. balance feel like you almost have to be a magician in the way that you have to provide a very exciting and enticing first hook to the story as you would with any other story but then you also have to provide the information to make it make sense from the last book but not so much that you bore your reader who's already read the last book but enough that a new reader who might not have read the last book understands what's going on and so you need to give the illusion that you're not rehashing old information but you know it sort of sums it up very in a very brief paragraph or two and I think Ashley you did this really well with the second book where they have a conversation shortly after they these things sort of like calm down because it's quite a high-paced beginning yeah as all our books are (laughs) tend to be but Yes, they have this sort of short conversation where it feels very natural, but yet it gives the reader that sort of background story. And I th- thought it was worked in very well. I did struggle with it a bit in the in the third book as well. It's quite hard to do when you've got a yeah. high-paced scene. I think it, w- it works well in the third book, though, the opening in the end. Yeah, I think when I revised it, I managed to bring that out in the edits a bit more. Um, which helped know, yeah, yes so starting sequels are hard <laughs> fine balance and I found her her podcast on that very very helpful very helpful had some good ideas about those sorts mm-hmm. of things 
And just so we we come back into the oh, yes. term, I have looked it up. It's a MacGuffin. That was the <laughs> word I was looking for. So in crime and sort of mystery and thrillers, the antagonist or the villain has a MacGuffin that they're after. That word. Anyways, could not remember the word, but I've looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I was talking about. We got there in the end. Yes. Should we move on to what we're reading yeah, for fun? Uh, yep. Do you want to go first, Sarah? Since I've been talking for quite a bit, you can go go for it. I was reading Saw Kill Girls by Claire Legrand. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> have a look at my notes here. <laughs> yes, another young adult book. It's probably more of a horror than a thriller I would say this one and it has been a big hit in the last few years Um, it's a book about three teenage girls battling some evil forces and recovering from loss and simply trying Mm -hmm. to survive but she's very descriptive with her scene setting and I think she Claire Legrand paints some very dark and wonderful pictures with her words and I quite admire that style I have also read it and I would agree. I enjoyed it yeah. a lot. She, The world that she paints is quite vivid and very kind of dark, disturbing. And I, re- I really liked how she set it. Very monstrous. Yeah. And, yeah. But it's almost like, it, it's like a monstrous world, but the way that she uses the words is quite beautiful mm-hmm. in the way she strings them together. Like it's, it sounds really uh, contradictory, but the terms that she uses, it feels quite poetic the way she uses her words. Uh, So I found that quite fascinating. And yeah, the other thing that I thought was quite interesting was just defining the difference between thrillers and horrors. Because for me, I've read quite a few thrillers and sort of suspense books in the young adult sort of area. And it's not very often that you find a good horror in the young adult or at least I haven't really read many of them so it was quite interesting to go into it not like I kind of knew that it was a dark storyline but I didn't really know that I was reading a horror when I first opened it and then I kind of got into it and I was like no this is a horror and it felt quite clear to me the differences not that it was really gory or like really disturbing in that sense it was just, I think it's because of the demonic kind of influences and the monsters in mm-hmm. it that it felt more of a horror than a thriller. But yeah, it makes me think that maybe one day in the future, I might try my hand at a horror as well because, yeah. It's quite good. They I quite enjoyed it. She uses, um, it's multi-perspective as well, right? Yes, yeah. And she does use the whole dramatic R anything quite well because you know a lot about one character, which is quite key to the plot, and the other characters don't know, which I quite like. And the whole time you're like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. (laughs) Don't go, don't go there, don't go there. What are you doing? (laughs) Stop it. It's it's so obvious. (laughs) Even as one character is trying to warn the other one. I know. (laughs) Still just ignores it completely. I quite, yeah, so that's... It's quite a good book. I, I enjoyed it. You still relate with the character that's like slightly darker too, though. As yeah, well, which is I think quite so. Cool. She's still <laughs> very likable. Regardless. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite good. So what's your pick for, or what have you been reading rather? My pick this month is The Word is Murder by Anthony Horowitz. 
um, as a teenager, I was obsessed with Anthony Horowitz. I loved his books, uh, in particular, the Alex Ryder series. I was a huge fan <laughs> and probably formed one of the basis for my love of reading as a teenager, him along mm-hmm. with um, John Marsden, who we've briefly talked about before, and obviously J.K. Rowling. Yeah. And when I found out, it would have been probably two years ago, I realized that he was writing adult fiction and I was incredibly excited (laughs) anyway so he he writes a few Sherlock Holmes novels uh I think I've mentioned one of them in a blog in a blog post before and I've read that which I thoroughly enjoyed but this book uh, The Word is Murder is the first in a series of adult murder mysteries Mm -hmm. I've read the second one (laughs) the sentence is death (laughs) yeah randomly started in on the second one because it was on the display shelf at the library and I was like "Ooh, Anthony Horowitz but yeah sorry continue <laughs> no it's fine here here's a really interesting in this book anyways he uses a quite interesting structure where it is from the perspective of an author who's shadowing a police detective and the novel that you read is the novel that the author has written to tell the story which I quite like kind of reminiscent sort of of like a Sherlock Holmes Watson kind of relationship <laughs> It's quite funny though, in some ways it's a little bit confusing because it makes you feel like you get to the end of the book and you're like, did this actually happen? Because yeah. his character is called Tony as well and it's like yeah. as himself. So then you're like, hang on a second. <laughs> I don't think it did. I'm very naive though. So so I tried to look it up. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure, but I did read the acknowledgements and then I was like, maybe it did happen or at least an element of the first one well, is based on some yeah. sort of if it did like based in real life maybe I don't know I, I tried to find out but I couldn't I tried to find out too I think I can't remember what I read though now whether it did or didn't but he definitely had me wondering by the yeah. way he told the story <laughs> yes whether it was real or not real um, yeah. either way it's it was a really really good book I enjoyed it and I'm very happy to hear that there is a sequel or a second one, Sentences <laughs> Death, which I will definitely be reading. I should read the first one. They're kind of like very separate stories, so you can read them out of order. To be honest, recently I've been struggling to find books that I enjoy and aren't a struggle to finish. Even some of my favorite authors, I've been struggling to get into their books. But this one, I, I read it in a day, maybe two days, which is unusual. Mm-hmm. Last time I did that was before the first lockdown in March so it's been a while since I found one that I've really like really really enjoyed and either hasn't been a struggle to get into or a struggle to finish. I have to say that's what attracts me to the young adult novels because they're a quite easy reads and then b they approach quite big topics with self-development and self-discovery which is why I like young adult yeah novels but yeah certainly mysteries and stuff like that and historical fiction I'm really keen on as well but yeah I think his books are, are pretty good. They're also fairly easy reads. So yes, yeah. I think that helps helps get you into the story a bit. Definitely. So yeah, I'm going to have to try and find another book to read now. <laughs> Anyways, um, did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? Uh, nope, I think I'm all good. What about you? No, I think we can probably round this up. So if you want to get hold of us, you can do that on lindersoncreations.com or on Instagram or Facebook at Lindison Creations. Mm-hmm. We are still looking for people for our author spotlight. We've got a few more slots later in the year. So if you would like to be part of that, then 
you can go to lindersoncreations.com and on the drop down menu of the podcast, you will find uh, Be Featured on Dear Writer. And so if you click on that and fill out the form, we'd love to have you on and have a chat to you. The only thing is that you must have a work in progress or a finished book, either one. So long as you're keen about writing and wanting to talk about your journey, then we are keen on talking to you. Yes. Yes. So please apply if you're thinking about it. We're very friendly. Yeah. Um, so next time on Dear Writer, it's going to be our main podcast again, which is exciting. And we're going to be talking about the stumbling blocks when writing a novel, all the way from the pesky chapter three that people struggle with to all of the things that Sarah and I find the most challenging. Yes. So if you liked the podcast, then please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on whatever podcatcher you enjoy using. And yeah, and we will see you next time, next week with our main podcast. So have a good writing week. And happy writing, everyone. Bye.